Hello and welcome to the Ego Chat Podcast. This is episode 59. I am your host, Preston Byers, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Binkowski. How are you doing, Bink? I'm doing well. How about you? Good. Uh, I mean, we haven't done a show in like three or four weeks. I hope you had a a good Thanksgiving, and I mean, we're about to get into all of the holidays over the next month or so, Um, but the biggest holiday of all has is about to come, and that is the beginning of the, the Call of Duty League season. That was a, a great segue. Um, and uh, today we're going to be doing a, a season preview, um, kind of looking at the rosters as they are currently constructed and going into the first week of the CDL season. Um, and we're going to also give our predictions on the uh, first week of qualifying matches as well, or seeding matches, however you want to phrase it. Um so uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, is there a specific team that you want to start off with in terms of their roster? No, I think we can just rapid fire through this stuff real quick. Um, just say what the rosters are, and then uh, we can talk about any in particular that you think are noteworthy. All right. Um, I was just going to go alphabetical order then. Um, sure. And, I mean, you can go to .esports.com. We have a few roster mania trackers. Um, you know, Bink has been really on top of it about updating uh, all the the roster changes and the announcements and the rumors and whatnot that have uh, come out this offseason. Uh, you can also go to uh, COD Esports fandom uh, to, you know, because they're really good about keeping it updated about every roster and the coaches and the subs and whatnot so um wherever you're looking uh it'd probably be helpful to follow along if if you're into that uh but let's start with the atlanta phase the um the the runners up at the the most recent champs they finished second pretty much this entire season uh, and they actually decided to make a roster change the first one in two years uh bringing in slasher in in uh in to replace Arcides, Jesus. Uh, so it'll be Slasher, Simp, Celium, and Abizi. That'll be their starting lineup uh, with Classic moving as a sub. And it looks like they have pretty much the same coaching staff as they did last season. Um, I know we've talked about this team in particular uh, before, obviously, when uh, the Slasher Arcides news came out. And we even talked about uh, the possibility of a roster change before that, uh, after the season ended. But uh, now that we're going into the season, what are your overall thoughts on Atlanta phase? Yeah, I, I think we're still expected to be top dogs, contenders, you know, S tier, echelon, whatever you want to categorize them as. It's just, it's there's obviously when you make a one-person change um, and it's in a category like this where RCs for Slasher, you know, both world champions, um, both main ARs, so there's nothing uh, potentially going on there, at least as far as I know, is in like position changes for Celium potentially going to main AR or anything like that. It's main AR for main AR swap. Um, so pressure is going to be on Slasher to um, produce with high, you know, he, he's done it before, but he has arguably three of the best players in the world surrounding him, and he himself is obviously one of the best, but. Um, the pressure is still going to be on him after, you know, a team that is considered a dynasty in some people's eyes makes a change. Uh, the person who is involved in that change obviously has some pressure. And, you know, I don't want to say big shoes to fill, but, he, it, you know, all eyes are going to be on him, I feel like. So um, I, I think FaZe will still be successful. It's just going to be interesting to see um, 
how they do right out the gate and what this their initial look uh, details or, or how that translates to uh, their results because we know you know we've heard how strict slasher is with teams that he's on and you know his leadership style all that stuff uh, so how that works with this team I, I think it should be fine but uh, that's going to be certainly something you know it, it'll be difficult to keep track of but um, something will be I'll be interested to see if, if we hear anything about that going forward I agree. I think there are really high expectations for this roster and, you know, right or wrong slasher will probably take the brunt of the blame. If say that they, they were you know not as good, they weren't like one of the top teams right out of the gate. I could see a, a section of fans uh, just blaming him and saying, look, he's the weak link. You should have kept RCDs, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I did think that they uh, should have kept RCDs because, you know, I'm not in in the team i'm not day-to-day with them i'm not uh, around them to understand what the team dynamic is like and that's the case for all of these teams Uh, but for phase in particular for them to get second place at uh, all but one of the majors and then uh, get second place at champs it, it felt like a mistake to change up that formula especially with how successful they were the year uh, earlier. Um, But again, I'm not with the team and uh, maybe the change was very necessary. And this is a good uh, change to have slasher come in and maybe that, um, you know, that leadership role or just a a veteran that's been around so many different personalities, so many different players, I think it it could help. But um, that's kind of the beauty of the Call of Duty League season is we'll get to find out pretty soon, especially with online, how crazy can can guys get from playing uh, MW2 online and uh, with these qualifying matches and whatnot. Uh, next team up is the Boston Breach. So uh, they're rocking, uh, you know, a pretty uh, similar roster as from last year. Uh, Methods, Nero, Vivid, and Awakening is the starting roster. And then Beans, uh, who is a European player, um, played in the Challenger scene last year. He is the substitute for the team. Um, we've talked about this team a little bit, uh, when the roster change happened, uh, the, the only real change is awakening coming into this team. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts on this because I think we've both been very high on big wake for a, a while now. I've been very high on vivid, uh, in particular, and this team, I think overperformed to expectations last season. Uh, so what do you think about the breach going into this season? Yeah, I'm excited to see the uh, Vivid and Nero connection, how that translates to MW2. We got to see it briefly at the end of uh, the Vanguard season, and it was some of, uh, I, well, I feel like it was some of the best we've seen Boston. You know, they, they, there's some outliers in there probably. So um, regardless of the actual results, it, it felt like they, they worked well together in very limited time. So I, I'm excited to see how uh, they play together this year as well. And I'm also looking forward to seeing Vivid and Awakening reunited. Uh, I talked about it a couple times now, I feel like, on the podcast in the, in the past. But um, when they were on Florida together alongside alongside Skies and Dave Patty, it was just Vivid, really, in the sub world with three ARs around him, um, regardless of what weapons they were actually using. Um, you know, that could cause pacing issues and stuff like that. So. Um, now we're seeing, you know, all, there's a lot of questions about the actual meta in MW2 just because the M4 is so dominant, but um, 
taking that out of consideration, it's it's just going to be interesting uh, to see Vivid and Awakening playing together again with a more traditional comp composition. If we are, uh, if we get to a point where it's two subs to uh, ARs, we we might very well could be in a a six to eight M four meta at this time. So. Um, that's just something to keep in mind for some of these rosters. You know, teams are trying to construct them, keeping the, uh, uh, you know, that 2-2 that two, two sub AR split in mind. But right now it seems like uh, the meta might be a little AR dominated with the M4 in particular. So um will be interesting to see how that affects all the teams in general. Will Would, you know, in my opinion, there there's some exciting new... Uh, quote unquote sub duos that I would like to see in a game where we have two subs running around maps. Um, if that's not the case at this point in them do two, uh, we'll just have to see how those players adjust on all the teams across the league. But on this team in particular, um, if we get to that point, I'm I'm just excited to see the dynamic between Vivid and Nero as well as um, Awakening and uh, Vivid reuniting. Uh, I think Boston has a, a good chance to definitely make playoffs um and kind of be in that middle of the road i i don't see this team necessarily as one of the you know top three four teams but the, the ability to crack into that top four um is always there uh, we saw it last year especially i think uh at the end of like the first stage you know, the beginning of the second stage they looked like they were uh one of the better you know middle of the road teams definitely on the higher end uh and like you said if the meta kind of falls in their favor um with big wake and methods running ars that would be really beneficial because those players are very good and they can um you know probably work out something very well in their favor but uh again the metas um you know especially in mw2 if this is going to be um a a two-year uh, game for the the CDL, things can change pretty rapidly, I'm sure. And uh, with how the game has been being updated, uh, you know, I don't think any players or teams are gonna feel real comfortable with the meta for a, a little bit. Um, but Boston, uh, I'm I'm excited to see if uh, awakening this like change of scenery for him is is a good thing, and see how he does away from a skies in that Florida team that he was on last year. Uh, speaking of Florida, though, let's go to the Mutineers. So they are pretty much overhauling their entire roster, only keeping Major Maniac in the starting lineup. Dave Patty is staying on with the team, but he is starting the season off as a substitute. Uh, so Major Maniac will be teaming with Havoc, Brack, and Vickle. Uh, so Vickle and Brack coming up from the Challenger scene. Uh, Havoc, uh, he made his way onto the Minnesota Rocker roster last season. And uh, Major Maniac was it, uh, he started the season with the Rocker and then was uh, acquired by the Florida Mutineers uh, later in the season. What do you think about uh, this Florida roster, um, considering there are two Challengers players uh, making their CDL debuts technically? Yeah, I I think um, don't have a lot of high expectations for this team out of the gate, but you know Florida has surprised us before in the past. Um, especially just thinking back to NW 2019, they, they made pickups of players like Pharaoh and Awakening at the time, uh, which immediately led to results. So 
Uh, could be looking to try to replicate that a little bit here with Brack and Vickle. Um, I don't know much about Vickle, but I am excited for Brack to officially make his debut in the CDL. Uh, as you kind of alluded to, he was a part of that 10-man Toronto Ultra uh, squad at the start of the CDL, but never actually got to play for the CDL Toronto mm-hmm. team. Uh, so this will be his debut, and, and he was an exciting player before the franchising era at the end of Black Ops uh, Black Ops 4 with luminosity so uh, i'm looking to looking forward to see what brack can do and uh you know i've always i've always been a fan of uh havoc you know back in his days of streaming s and d solo wagers with upside down sunglasses on and and major maniac is a player that uh, you know i think is underappreciated in many aspects just because you know he's one of the one of those guys who you know sort of like classic who we talked about uh, just briefly earlier, but he, he's one of those guys who's going to go out and try to do whatever it takes to win, regardless of if the stat line looks pretty or not. He's, he's you know, he's going to hold down, you know, your spawns and that sort of thing. When he was on Atlanta phase, he, there, there were multiple games I can remember of him just sitting in the hill and not even like really going for kills because everybody else on the team was killing everybody around him. So he didn't really have to. So he was doing his job. And uh, that's what I would expect him to do on this team too. Um, Although I don't have high expectations for Florida, like I said, they've they've surprised us in past seasons, and they could do it again. So, um, a squad that you know, if we were doing power rankings, they would be towards the bottom for me right now. And again, who knows what happens? Yeah, I um I don't have particularly high expectations, but um I've kind of I I, I trust Ogre too to make these rosters. I think he's done a pretty good job over the past few years. Um, and it's obvious that they're not, you know, flush with cash to the point that they're going to be offering these gigantic contracts to anybody, um, that they, you know, that they want. Uh, but they've done a good job at discovering talent and utilizing it. Uh, even if last season wasn't the, the best show of form for them. Um, but you know, I, I like that being said, I don't really have, um, incredibly high expectations. I, I would say that this team is, you know, if I had to put it, probably bottom four uh, heading into the season, just based on my, you know, preconception of of where these players are in relation to the other teams. But uh, like we saw last season, there are always chances to uh, improve and kind of exceed those expectations. That's kind of what the season's there for. Um, we don't, you know, you don't play Call of Duty on paper, uh, so uh, it, it could be um, a good season for Florida, um, and we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, let's go to the Las Vegas Legion. Um, so this is the first uh, season for the Legion um, outside of Paris. Obviously, the first three seasons, uh, they were the Paris Legion. Now they are the Las Vegas Legion, um, and the roster has uh, been pretty much overhauled as well. Uh, Temp is staying on. Uh, he is the only player from last season's roster to make it to this season, and Temp will be joined by Clayster, Prolute, and TJ Haley. Uh, and uh, Theory is staying on as the coach uh, for the, the Legion. Um, obviously, uh, I mean, Vegas is winning champs, but we we don't really know how this team is going to compete because if I remember correctly, last offseason or last preseason, there were people saying, well, don't sleep on Paris. They look pretty good in scrims blah, blah, blah. And then they had the worst season in CDL history. So I don't know what to to take about their 
um, they did have some launch weekend success. That doesn't necessarily mean anything in the grand scheme of things. But now I don't know how to feel about that. How do you feel about the Legion heading into this season? Yeah, a lot of question marks for me. Um, you know, obviously the big one is going to be Clay just after last year uh, being benched by New York. He finds his way back into the CDL, and now um, he's got to prove he belongs, which, you know, might not be the best way to put it because one of the greatest Call of Duty players in the history. But, um, you know, at this point, he, he's getting towards the later stages of his career and his playing days, and as long as he wants to keep competing, uh, he's just got to prove that that's what he's capable of doing and playing at the highest level. So uh, looking for a big year out of Clay, if he's able to produce that, and, and in particular with his leadership, bringing out the best of Bounty Temp, just because uh, he's a super talented player and I've always enjoyed watching him. And I think Clayster has the, the potential or the capability to possibly bring the best out of Temp in a situation like this where Although with Clayster on the team, Temp can't be the main AR, which seemed like the position he wanted to be in heading into this season. Um, in a meta such as the one that we're seemingly currently in, it, it, that doesn't really matter. And and he, if I'm Temp, I'm trying to learn as much as I can from a guy like Clay in, in this time that they're teaming together, just because, you know, obviously uh, that's one of the guys you should be looking up to if, if you're in Temp's position. So um, I'm, I think... The, the Vegas has potential to uh, flip the script on the franchise. It's just going to come down to whether they actualize, uh, you know, actually meet those expectations or, you know, are able to produce what the franchise is hoping will be their best season yet. Yeah, I, I'm conflicted about it because I think this roster is an improvement over the the Paris roster that started last season, but at the same time i also don't i don't see this roster as any better than most of these other teams in the league currently and that kind of speaks to how talented the league is i mean we've we've had 12 teams this would be the fourth season with uh 12 teams and uh there's just so much talent that it does make sense that even with uh someone like temp who i think is you know uh, i like one of the better players in the league, despite being on a horrible team last year. Um, and I think he proved it with the stats and just uh, the overall respect that he earned from so many fans and uh, fellow players. Um, and then Clayster, you know, one of the best Call of Duty players of all time, TJ, uh, a really talented player who's uh, kind of had a, a tough um, run uh, recently with like the teams and their success. And Perlute, who was you know, given that opportunity with Optic last year, and I think proved uh, that he is capable of being on a CDL roster. Like that roster doesn't seem half bad, but when you're comparing it and stacking up to the other 11 teams in the league, I don't really see how they're um, how they're going to stack up like well. I, I, I if you compare this team to Atlanta or even compare this team to someone like Minnesota, I would probably pick Minnesota. And um, I, I just, I think that's probably not a recipe for success. Obviously we'll, we'll see how it goes, but um, you know, I'm not feeling uh, incredibly confident about the Legion heading into the season, uh, despite, you know, an overall impressive roster. Um, the next roster we should talk about the London Royal Ravens, um, you know, 
this is a pretty interesting team just from this uh, simple fact that Paul X is uh, making kind of a return. Uh, he was very impressive in his very short uh, substitute role with London last season. And then Zero and Nasty um, representing their, their home country. Uh, and then we have Asim who is moving from the Los Angeles Gorillas to the London Royal Ravens and then Scraps returning to the CDL as a substitute currently. Um, what do you think about this Ravens roster? Yeah, I haven't heard uh, too many good things about this team yet, but I feel like it was one of the last uh, teams put together. Obviously, Zero, Nasty, uh, Asim, and Paul X with Scraps as a sub. Um, pretty sure that's been confirmed just by the fact that Scraps is playing in Challengers, but mm -hmm. um, regardless, I, I, I think the team has potential. It's just... Maybe because of how late it was put together, then there might be some questions. I don't really know. Um, the most interesting thing to me, though, is with a guy as talented as Scraps on the bench, it feels like an inevitability that if this team struggles, he will be in the back in the lineup at some point, as long as he's actually you know playing well in challengers. Um, so I could see. Um, I know one of the questions we did last year was what team do we think could be the first to make a change, and I can't remember if one of us said London or uh, what, but I, I feel like this year, just because of that uh, sub situation with a guy like Scrap just seemingly waiting in the wings, I feel like London could potentially be uh, the first team to make a move to get him in the lineup if they struggle out the gate. Yeah, I definitely think that is a possibility, um, especially as scraps gets more comfortable playing competitively again um in in a in a team environment and challengers um i i think that's the biggest key right now is that he's been away for a little bit and while he's you know hasn't stopped playing call of duty he was mostly playing like warzone and blackout before that he wasn't really focusing on competitive uh, other than maybe a a short time frame so just having a little bit of time to readjust and get back into this kind of team mindset uh will be interesting to see how how long that takes and if london actually goes that route uh, maybe they have some success and they decide to stick with it but uh, a really interesting roster to kind of keep an eye on as the season goes along uh, next roster is the Los Angeles Gorillas. Um, pretty much the same roster from last season, but uh, swapping out Slasher for Arcides. So uh, we talked about it uh, early in the show. Arcides moves from Atlanta Phase to the Los Angeles Gorillas, and uh, vice versa for um, for uh, Art for Slasher. Excuse me. So RC Spart, Neptune, and Hook uh, will be starting. Um, I don't have any real thoughts on this team because Slasher, I felt, was the most impressive player on the Gorillas last season, and they were really bad outside of one tournament. So I don't know how much of a difference Arcides will make. Uh, what do you think? They certainly don't have a lack of talent on this team. Yeah. Seeing all of these players uh, shine and have superstar performances individually at the separate moments, it's just going to... Uh, come down to what they're able to do collectively as a unit. Um, really looking forward to seeing whether who can step up uh, on this team. Obviously, we know Spart uh, showed some flashes with the Volk when he won MVP Meter 2 last year. Uh, Neptune kind of had an up-and-down season. I think he, like, you know, obviously had the struggles with New York, and then he uh, saw some success in Challengers, got picked back up. So, um Neptune has been an exciting player since he made his debut in the CDL in Cold War. 
Um, but, you know, all, like I said, all these players have the potential. It's just going to be whether they're able to actually put it together and uh, see results as a cohesive unit. Uh, at, the, at this point, I see them as a middle-of-the-pack squad, but certainly with the potential that they're able to. Uh, you know, last year, nobody really expected them to take an event, so um, the, this year, they, it could be a similar situation where they're maybe you know, looked at as a middle-of-the-pack team off the rip, but uh, they might turn some heads down the road. Yeah, I, I, there's definitely a possibility. I have really... Um pretty low expectations because I was very disappointed with the team last year and their results um, pretty much other than stage two. Uh, that was definitely the peak. And uh, they, it, it was, they had a, an inside track to make the playoffs and every chance that they had along the way, they seemed to falter. Um, and I, and maybe slasher was part of that problem or I, I, I have no idea. Um, but I have, you know, very little faith in the team to be one of those uh, top teams just based on la last season's uh, results. But it, it's very possible that we see, um, you know, the the Gorillas with their immense talent uh, kind of take over. Uh, I, I definitely see them as a top four team if they can figure all of that out. But it just, uh, I, I didn't see any of that last season. Um, the other Los Angeles team, uh, you know, the defending world champions, yeah, they were definitely going to make a bunch of roster changes and get rid of everyone. Um, they've decided to bring back everybody. Um, their coaching staff is uh, the same. Uh, the only change to this organization pretty much is the general manager uh, role with Novus coming in to replace Mud Dog. Uh, but as far as the day-to-day, -day, um, the team aspect of it, nothing has changed. Uh, so they have to be you know, in the top three or four teams in the league heading into this year, just based on how well they finished off last season, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, an interesting aspect we got to keep in mind, too, is with this current meta that seems to be M4 favored at this point, uh, the Thieves are one of those teams that have that a little extra flexibility in the sense as we've seen Kenny and Draza both run an AR at multiple points. And although... Uh, the Thieves saw their most success at the end of the year after Kenny switched back to a sub. We know that he is able to be um, productive as an AR. So uh, this is one of those squads where the the, the M4 heavy meta could favor. Um, I'm not sure how they've been doing in scrims or anything like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they were just absolutely frying with this current meta and if all four of them are just running around with M4. So... Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Thieves picked back up right where they left off. Uh, certainly showed us at the end of last year they had the potential, but once again, early in the season, uh, a lot of teams were expecting them to be that team that they ended up being, but they didn't quite hit that stride until late in the season. So um, we'll have to see if, if that's a trend of them starting slow or not, or if you know they just come out all guns blazing right away. Yeah, I'm sure Kenny is begging them to let him run a AR because it's been a trend throughout his career that he's very talented with pretty much any gun that you put in his hands, but he seems to kind of thrive in the, in the sub role. Um, or if there's an actual flex, like the, the Maddox a few years ago, um, that's something that he excels in. Uh, but I'm sure he's, he's probably wanting to have an M4 just based on how things have been going so far this year. 
Um, the other, uh, the, the next roster we have is the Minnesota rocker. Um, definitely a shakeup with this team, uh, pretty disappointing, uh, end to their year. They lost out on going to champs at the final event. Um, and, uh, the only person that stuck around from last season is attach. Um, and I guess fame came on later in the season as a substitute, Fame will stick on as a substitute to start this season, uh, but uh, joining Attach in the starting roster for the Rocker uh, will be Bance, Cami, and Afro. So a little bit of that Toronto Ultra roster from last season, and then Afro coming in from the London Royal Ravens. Uh, a pretty interesting roster, um, in, in my opinion. What do you think about the Rocker heading into the 2023 season? Yeah, I, I'm... Excited to see a bunch of these guys and, and you know, a new squad together. I, I think keeping attached on, on Minnesota was extremely important to the organization just from multiple uh, perspectives. But obviously, you know, attached is one of those guys you can build around both in and out of the actual game because of uh, his personality and his brand. So um, I think that was a really solid move uh, to make sure they locked him back up. And then surrounding him with guys like Afro Bance and Cami, I think that's just, you know, obviously it might be a little different for him teaming with Europeans, but I think Attach is easygoing enough where um, he, he's one of those guys where it could work uh, especially well just due to the type of person he seems to be. So um, I, I think that the Bance pickup might be a little underrated, but putting Afro in a position where he can learn from someone like Bant, who I know we've had this conversation because I, I said during one of our other episodes that I felt Bant was older than he actually is, and you, you fact-checked it, and he's not as old as I thought he was. Um, but regardless of that, he, he's been playing for a very long time and is a very successful uh, veteran of the scene, and uh, Afro really hasn't had another sub-player. You know, he, he's played with Zero, who isn't traditionally a sub. Um but having someone like Bance who's been in Afro's position uh, could be beneficial to Afro's development as a player. And we've already seen him make multiple highlight reel plays uh, early in his career. So I'm looking forward to seeing that dynamic. And then we know what Cammy's capable of. He was an MVP candidate last couple of years. I, I don't think if he actually, you know, he wasn't a finalist this past year, but obviously was uh, in Cold War. So, um, I I just think the team has potential. I think initially they start out as a middle of the pack team for me, uh, but they certainly have uh, the capability of winning some titles this year. I feel like if everything clicks for them, like you said, with the some of these other teams, as far as the meta goes, uh, having attaching Cami uh, running ARs or having the ability to have both of them run ARs seems to be like a, a pretty appetizing option for Minnesota at this point because Cami, like you mentioned, is. Uh, you know, he's proven to be one of the best players in the league at certain points uh, over the past few years. Attach was uh, by far the best player on a otherwise pretty disappointing team last season. And I, I think the same could be said for Afro as well on London. Uh, that team wasn't uh, very good, especially in the back half of the year. But uh, I think a lot of people have respect and uh, admiration for him and think that he's a really good player. Um, and that's not to leave out Bance because I... Uh, that wasn't his role. It wasn't his role to get all the kills and be the star player for his team. Um, but I think he's an incredible veteran, you know, the best uh, European player probably of all time, uh, at least like in this modern era. Um, 
I, I think this team is good, but uh, it goes back to some of these other uh, rosters that we've already talked about. Do I think that this team is top four on paper? Probably not, but that's just a testament more to the talent in the league, not so much this particular team and what I think about them. Uh, but you know, I'll, I'll probably go with you and say a middle-of-the-road team, but there's definitely a higher ceiling here with Minnesota than, than there are for some of these other teams. Uh, speaking of uh, a, a pretty high ceiling, I would imagine, is the New York Subliners. Uh, just based on Hydra and the talent that he has, I think that can raise a lot of ceilings for a lot of teams. Uh, so the Subliners are going with Hydra, Kismet, Skies, and Priesta this year with Wardy, a, a European Challengers player, coming in as a substitute. Uh, a pretty big change to this um, roster, Hydra and Kismet staying but Crim6 and Paul X departing after a pretty tumultuous offseason and what sounds like to be a pretty tumultuous regular season as well. Uh, but the subliners were able to squeak into the playoffs, uh, the CDL playoffs last season. And I think everyone agrees that Hydra is really, really talented and definitely uh, someone that you can build a roster around. Um, Skies, you know, at certain points, he's looked like an MVP candidate in the CDL, um, and Priesta has, has been a part of some incredible rosters. And, and Kismet, I think, was really the driving fo uh, force or you know one of them about New York's turnaround last year. So there's a lot of good things about this uh, Subliners roster. What do you think uh, heading into uh, to this season for NYSL? Yeah, you, you know, all the drama from the offseason aside, um, it, it's hard to not think about that when trying to evaluate this team, but I feel like there's just a lot of pressure on Hydra, mm -hmm. whether we take that into account or not. Um, there were rumors in the offseason as well as him like getting potentially signing a $500,000 deal or something absolutely ludicrous like that. Um, so obviously we don't know for sure what kind of deal he signed, but even just the thought of that being attached to a player uh, like Hydra should mean that there's a lot of pressure on him to perform. Mm -hmm. um, seemingly, based on what we heard in the offseason, he was one who wanted to play with a guys like a guy like Skies. Um, so again, that puts more pressure on him. Like, hey, if the organization trusts you to, you know, go out there and say, hey, I wanted to play with this guy, it, if that doesn't work out, it, it goes back on you at least in some parts. So, um, I I think that he's going to be under the microscope a little bit in and out of the game just because of everything that happened in the offseason. Um, but he's obviously shown how talented he is and, and what he's capable of in the game. And um, I think this team has potential, but it also has potential to not do well um, as well. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they start a little slow, but I, I also wouldn't be surprised if they start out hot too, just because um, we, we know what this team's capable of. Like you said, even you know, with Kismet uh, coming in late in the season and just essentially helping that be you know, a main catalyst of that turnaround for New York was huge. Uh, Priesta kind of had a down year last year, I feel like, but he's just always been a guy who is super flexible, can can do it all. So this, uh, you know, seeing him shine in an AR role wouldn't be surprising to me at all. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of question marks around this team, but the potential is there. It's just going to come down to whether it's actually the potential to be, you know, one of those top dogs, or if it's you know, the other way. Yeah, I definitely agree, especially on the Hydra point. Um, 
there were so many rumors about him wanting Skies even during last season uh, to play with Skies. Maybe that'll help. Um, I I think there was some obvious contention between Hydra and Paul and Crimsix and you know that dynamic uh, and that kind of contention can lead to um, these. I I don't know what it is. Maybe just. Um, bad results or inconsistent results because you know they did finish off the season or the regular season strong but to get to that point they had so many inconsistent and pretty disappointing results that maybe uh, was a result of some of these internal issues if new york can figure that out uh, obviously the coaching staff has changed where revan um, as far as i know revan and jp are not with uh, ny i know uh, jp is not but um you know, I think Revan's that uh, GM of Seattle now. Yeah, that that's right. So uh, Revan and JP have departed, and now you just have D Real, and maybe that, you know, I know some people, and I think very highly of Revan and JP. I think they're really smart guys, and uh, uh, Optic and Seattle are lucky to have them, but. I think there might have been too many cooks in the kitchen, if that makes sense, with New York, just because they had three people, three decision makers in like the coaching and the the front office. And then you have the players, you have someone like Crim Six who is very headstrong and very set in his ways about how a team works. And then you have Hydra who is obviously not jiving with some of these other guys maybe just having one clear message or one clear voice from d maybe that's something New York needs. Um, that's something that Hydra needs. I'm not sure. I I'm very much speculating, but I'm very interested to just see how things work out with the subliners with this new coaching staff and with um, this new roster. They, they did sign uh, Sender, too, from Optic. So Sender is there with d Um not sure how much of an impact that will have just because it seemed like Sender was searching. Well, obviously, uh, if you're going to leave Optic, you're going to be in search of a head coaching position. When he was formerly the head coach, then he was a co-coach with uh, Rainbow or an assistant coach. I don't know the official titles, but um, if you're if you're stepping down from Optic or released, whatever the, the technical term is there for his situation, uh, feels like he would be in search for a head coaching position, but then he winds up being in what feels like an assistant coach role with New York. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact he's able to have on this team. Yep. Uh, speaking of Optic, uh, that's our next team, Shotzi, Skump, Dashy, Illy. But um, this has been a pretty weird offseason for this organization as a whole. Uh, you had the whole Dashy and Illy being dropped, uh, and then a day later, they're back on the roster. Um, we just uh, mentioned that Sender has left the team, and uh, JP has come in as an analyst uh, for this team. Um, what do you, and, and not even to mention that Scump has announced his retirement and that this will be, um, for all intents and purposes, his final CDL season. So with all of that, how do you see Optic going into uh, what should be Scump's last season? Yeah, I, I think that's just the big storyline we're going to be keeping track of. They end up running it back with the same squad. Um, and that's the big news is that Scump is done after this year. He said, unless they win every single tournament. And even that didn't seem very convincing as well, because he initially didn't said even if they win, it wouldn't he wouldn't come back. And then he... Know, kind of uh, flipped the script on that and was saying that he might 
you know, come back if they win every single one. So uh, there, there is a little bit of a glimmer of hope for Optic fans that Scum could potentially play another year beyond this. But for the sake of the argument, we'll, we'll just say this is Scum's last year. Um, and, and that's, you know, going to be the main storyline around this Optic team every time they step up to play. Um, every match is a little bit more crucial, I feel like, just because um, you're trying to, for, for the guys playing alongside Scump, you're effectively, it, it, they might not be thinking about it this way, but they're, they're really, you know, trying to help Scump go out on top and uh, further cement his legacy as the greatest Call of Duty player of all time. So it's, uh, it's going to be an entertaining season and, and one that has a lot of eyes on it for that particular reason. Um, but it's also at the same time just one you got to sit back and enjoy the ride if it is, in fact, his final year. He's been doing this for so long. And he's just such an electric player to watch. you got to take it all in at the end of the day and, and enjoy it while you can. And the skump piece aside, you have the Illy and Dashy part where, you know, they obviously there was an intention by whoever you want to say, whether it was Shotzi and Scump or whether it was management or coaching felt like or or everybody involved felt like there needed to be a change. It's interesting that, you know, they're they're going ahead with this roster and we have the same exact team that we had last season. And this team before Illy's thumb injury was arguably the best team in the league. They had won the first major. They looked very strong heading into the the midseason point. And then Illy's thumb starts acting up and he misses a considerable portion of the second half of the season. And that seemed to derail so much of the momentum that Optic had. And now they're bringing back Illy and Dashi. And I'm wondering if you know, they said that everything's been patched up, that they had this heart-to-heart. But again, that doesn't mean anything until you face adversity again because they didn't do anything in the offseason. They were just playing different games, practicing with each other, blah, blah, blah. Like, But when you get into matches, say they start losing, maybe they're like 4-2 and two or 5-3 and three or something like that. Does that change their perspective? Does that, you know, eventually lead to Dashy and or Illy? Probably not Shotzi or Skump, but mostly Dashy, Dashy or Illy getting the boot. And I think that that's something to keep an eye on is just whether one of those two players or both of those players will be removed mid-season if things aren't going according to plan. Um, and then we have uh, two final teams, the Seattle Surge, uh, first of all, um, and then the Toronto Ultra. Starting with the, the Surge, they didn't make any changes to their roster, didn't make any changes to their coaching staff as far as I could tell, um, But then, uh, except uh, Carson, who was with the CDL last season. Uh, he came in as an analyst. And then, uh, as we've mentioned, Revan coming in as the general manager. I was not surprised that they didn't make a move, but I felt like, if they could make an improvement to this roster, it would probably be in accuracy's position um, as an AR. Uh, what do you think about the surge heading into the season after uh, by far the best season um, the the Seattle organization has had in the CDL? Yeah, I think we've talked about that enough on, on other shows that we were saying if Seattle didn't stick with this roster, they could potentially look for a quote-unquote upgrade in the AR position, but obviously sticking with accuracy. Uh, he has those in, intangibles, and he's the Iceman. So uh, with young players like Mac, Pred, and Sib around him, it, it makes sense to have 
a veteran leader like accuracy in the squad leading the troops so uh obviously they they won an event last year and we saw a lot of great moments from all those guys whether it was pred popping off in the hard point on tuscan or uh you know accuracy's plethora of ninja diffuses that somehow people keep letting him get away with uh everybody on that squad had highlight real moments and this team has a lot of potential it, it made sense to me that they decided to stick especially when you had guys like uh sib and pred on rookie deals all all seattle really had to do was just extend their contracts and uh they're able to you know have two of the you know top prospects even though they're not technically prospects anymore but two super talented rookies going into their sophomore years uh they, they're able to keep them on the book so uh, looking for big things out of Seattle this year. Uh, definitely a squad that has potential to to shake things up. And it might not, you know, a lot of people might be looking at like Phase, uh, Optic, and LAT is like the top teams heading into the year. But Seattle is definitely a squad that could be, you know, in that tier below those squads and, and pushing into that bracket if if they're able to replicate what we saw last year in their best moments. Yeah, I don't really have too much to add on Seattle. We've talked about it. Uh, quite a bit at length and uh, we'll finish up with the toronto ultra uh, they did make some changes in the offseason kleenex and insight staying with the roster but uh, the ultra have added scrappy and standy scrappy was on um, the ultra academy and a roster and standy moves from the minnesota rocker to the toronto ultra um i think overall this this team is very intriguing and a lot of talent is on this roster um what do you think? What do you think the ceiling is for this Toronto Ultra? I, I think the ceiling's super high. I, I'm really excited about this squad. I'm excited about Scrappy getting to make his debut. Uh, no, in game, he's he's shown that he's capable of hanging with the best out of the game, and you know, just the trash talk and all that stuff is super exciting to me. So, I think he's going to be a great addition to the league in multiple facets. Um, I've already said before too. You know, I, I've sung kleenex's praises enough at this point but i'm really excited about kleenex and standy as a sub duo i think they have the potential to work really well together if we get to see them in a meta that's conducive to having both of them on a sub at the same time um and yeah this has got to be one of the younger teams in the league even you know with, with guys like uh you know inside this is going to be his third year now but he was essentially a rookie at the start of the Cold War season after coming in for methods. Um, Kleenex has been around for the whole CDL now, but um, Standy, this is his third season, which doesn't seem right, but it actually is. Wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously Scrappy make it his first, but I, I still feel like, you know, the, the, this feels like a very young squad to me. Um so there, there could potentially be some leadership issues that might be something that pops up. But uh, like you said, a lot of talent on this roster, and I'm excited to see what they're able to pull off. I agree. Um, definitely one of the more interesting, and uh, I think the ceiling is is very high compared to some of these other teams for Toronto. Um, and I, I think we should also mention before uh, we wrap up this uh, portion of the show, uh, Toronto does not have Marky B as the as the head coach anymore. So, let, um, and we didn't mention that he is now the head coach of the Los Angeles Gorillas. Um, and Mayhem, who was, I believe, the Toronto Ultra Academy NA coach, he's also with the Gorillas now. And Flux is the now the coach for uh, the Ultra. So uh, maybe these things will um, affect it. Um, we've we've talked about it on the 
before about how much the coaching matters and whatnot. But I think as the longer we get into the CDO, the coaching does seem to um, have some effect. Um, you know, how much is is kind of up for debate, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Marky B's presence in LAG uh, will, um, you know, benefit them or how much. And the same with Ultra, how much his, his uh, departure will affect the team. Um, now we've got that out of the way. Let's talk about predictions because uh, you beat me last season, but I'm not going to make it another season. And I think I, I took too many risks last year. I think I just need to trust my brain and not think about it um, or trust my heart really because my brain's pretty dumb. But uh, we're going to start with uh, Boston versus Atlanta. So we're going to go through all of these matches. These are the first week of um, seeding matches, qualifying matches, however you want to phrase it. Um, and we will get to the first major in mid-December, which will be uh, very, very cool. And we'll make predictions for that as well. Uh, but let's start off with Boston versus Atlanta, the first match of the season. Um, I'll go first. I'm not going to pick against Atlanta just off the bat. Like I have to have some uh, compass to follow. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going with Atlanta too. Um, before we get further into the predictions, just some uh, background information for um, our listeners here that you know, obviously the season officially starts on Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, these are the qualifying matches, which we saw last year being played online. I think some teams later in the season have announced that they're trying to do uh, like quote-unquote homestand type things where they invite their players, uh, their opponents to play either in their local arena or facility or whatever to try to to minimize the number of online matches they play. Um, but as far as I know, these initial matches are all being played online which with mw2 right now we, we we've had issues with custom games the, the cdl rules were actually removed from uh, mw2 as a whole for a little bit which caused uh certain issues with practice for a, a period of time here uh heading into the start of the season so uh it feels like an inevitability that some issues could arise with these first initial online matches but um all that aside, that that's what, you know, if you followed along last year, you should be familiar with this format. Um, I haven't looked too far ahead, but I'm pretty sure, at least for this major one, it's only two weeks of qualifying matches as opposed to the three that we had last year. Um, major one is also a little different that it is a pro-am, so it's going to be the 12 CDL franchises and four top challengers teams playing in a 16-team tournament, which would be separated into group play. Uh, and the top two teams and the four groups move into... Uh, winners bracket, other team, loser bracket, that stuff, uh, you know, or maybe those bottom teams are just eliminated at the bat. I actually don't know too much about the format beyond the, the group play with the 16 teams, but um, regardless of that, major one is just a little different uh, in that regard, and I just wanted to throw that basic information out for listeners before we fully dive into the predictions. No, that's definitely good. Um, like you said, this one is two weeks where typically used to the three weeks. And I think that's what's going to happen for everything but this one, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, for the major one uh, seeding matches, there will only be four matches per team instead of the five that we're used to. So one fewer per team, uh, which makes sense because usually teams would play uh, two matches one week, two matches another week, and then that final week would be one match. Uh, so uh, not getting that one match week now. Um, so getting back to the predictions, we both picked Atlanta over Boston. Um, 
Optic versus Minnesota. I think I have to go with Optic. Um, I, I think pretty highly of the team. I'm a little intrigued and uh, a little worried about maybe their long-term future uh, with the roster, but I think Optic over Minnesota is the, the right play here. Yeah, I'm with Optic too. Uh, the Vegas Legion versus the Los Angeles Thieves. I think this is a bad matchup for Vegas in their first match uh, out of Paris. Uh, so I'm going to go with LAT. Me too. Uh, LAG versus Seattle. Probably the match of the day as far as the matchups. Um, or you know, I'm I'm not really sure what to expect out of LAG. Uh, I'll, I'll go with Seattle. I I I was not very kind to LAG when we were previewing the the rosters, so I don't think it makes sense for me to pick against them. Yep, I'm sticking with Seattle here too. Saturday, December third, Minnesota versus Toronto, the Battle of the North, or whatever they call it. Um, I'm gonna go with Minnesota on this one. I think right. they're a pretty um. I, I like the roster, and both of these teams are, you know, relatively new. Some changes. Maybe this will be a standy revenge game, and I'll be eating my words. But uh, what do you think about this? Yep, I'm going with Toronto here. Uh, really high on on that squad, as we were just saying at the end of our preview section. So I'm going to pick them in in Scrappy's um, full time starting debut CDL. Uh, next match, New York Subliners versus London Royal Ravens. I'm going to go with New York. I'm not really sure what to expect with London, and I don't really have very high expectations for them. Right there with you. Seattle versus Boston. Um, I kind of want to pick Boston because they're like the new Florida, and I really picked Florida a lot over the past few years, but I think I have to pick Seattle at least through the first week or two. Yep, I'm going to go with Seattle too. And, you know, remember we, we did the same thing last year where – we were high on Seattle. They they started out, I think, a little bit it's okay. Like five and zero like or something, or three and. And they went on like a seven game losing streak or something at one point. I don't even remember the timeline. It all blurs together, but I just remember we were picking Seattle a lot when they were losing a lot. So uh, we could get screwed here, but I I think Seattle pulls one off too. And conversely, we were picking London to lose a lot, and they were winning a lot, <laughs> and then it flipped again. Um, the final match on Saturday. Uh, Florida versus Vegas. Um, why don't you go first? Who do you got uh, between them? <laughs> Vegas is winning champs, baby. All right, I'm going with Florida. I I, <laughs> I need to make sure that we're balanced. I, I don't want to get, I don't want to tip over the bandwagon for Vegas. Um, LAG, and then uh, we'll have the final f- uh, few matches on Sunday. Uh, first of all, we have LAG versus London. Um, I don't like any. I don't like either of these teams. Who do you got? I'm going LAG. All right, I'm gonna go LAG. I need to. I can't fall behind, and I'm thinking about it now, which I probably shouldn't be. <laughs> but if I pick Florida against Vegas, and you're picking Vegas, I probably need to stick um, when I'm not sure. Um, Optic versus Florida. Uh, I'm gonna go with Optic. It yep. doesn't really make a lot of sense to pick against them. Atlanta versus LAT, a rematch of the Call of Duty Championship from last season. Um, a little bit different now that. Uh, Atlanta has Slasher, a former LAT uh, member. I'm going to go with LAT, and right. I have no idea why. I mean, they beat them enough at the end of last year. They should have momentum on their side. I'm going with Atlanta, though. Yeah. Instillium yeah. trust. Uh, and the final match of the week, Toronto versus New York. 
Um, who do you got? I'm going with Toronto. Yeah, I probably should pick Toronto. I, yeah, I'll go with Ultra. Um, definitely a, a a tough matchup for on paper at least. You know, I don't know what happened. Maybe Toronto, a like fifty point club, New York, but uh, to me, it just seems that um, this would be a tough matchup on paper. Uh, but I, I could see this one going either way. I just I said earlier in our preview how excited I am for Toronto. So. I'm picking them to go two and zero, but you know I probably shouldn't trust Canadian franchises, and I might be let down. We'll just have to see. Well, we will get out of your hair then about the Canadian franchises. I don't know what the Ultra did to you. They've only <laughs> given your new favorite player a chance at the CDL, but um, where uh, that is our predictions. Uh, we do that pretty much every show uh, during the season. We'll keep you updated on who's leading and whatnot i think bink might have beaten me by like three or four matches last season it was pretty close what it was it not that close it felt pretty I don't close think it was at the end all right maybe champs got out of hand cool. but i Not was i was definitely within a few matches heading into champs and um the champs recap was episode 53 yeah so it was seven. I went one sixteen and eighty. You went one oh nine and eighty seven. See, all seven of those matches were definitely London matches. I feel like because <laughs> I I was really on the bandwagon, and that bandwagon broke down so many times during the year, and they're pretty much the only reason that I lost you. I think. I, I think that's pretty uh, one of the reasons I was excited to do. Obviously, I missed doing the pick em with like Mike and the guys. Um, all having it in one doc, but I think having it with just us and, and being able to look back at that specific number uh, as like uh, record-wise is pretty cool, and we'll be able to uh, use that in multiple ways, you know, hopefully doing this for years to come, uh, looking at maybe the potential of the difference in the number of matches, because obviously uh, 116 and 80, that's what just under 200 matches, 196, I believe. Um, I don't think we did like for all the. Uh, um, that's not including the pro am and that's I, what I was, the pro am and the kickoff and stuff like that. So we didn't we didn't do uh, it for all of the actual. Well, I don't want to say actual tournament. We didn't do it for all the tournaments on the schedule as um, in depth as we do for like actual majors and champs and stuff. But um, still a good gauge of the the amount of matches that are played throughout the year and. Uh, Obviously, that was the first year we've done that. So 116 will be the number to beat um, for anyone going forward. Yeah, um, definitely something that we'll keep track of as the season goes along. And hopefully we'll both beat 116 and I'll beat you by at least one. That would be nice. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, not really. I think um, you're loving MW2, as I've, I, I can imagine. Everybody's loving NW2, even, <laughs> especially the pros. They're very high on this game. Yeah. Nah, I mean, it, it's no secret that there are a lot of issues with the game that need to be addressed. And um, until we actually get some fixes, it, it, it could be a bumpy start to the season. But um, we've had some unfavorable games the last couple of years. And I still firmly believe, even though you have... Um, you know, guys like, or not guys, but uh, games like Vanguard that were very coin flippy in, in nature and stuff like that. And, you know, just all the games in recent years have been questionable and, and 
certain elements have been uh, heavily scrutinized. But at the end of the day, the pros still did a really good job of uh, producing quality content and, and making the the uh, competitive aspect of the game as entertaining as they possibly can. So um, I, I think we should hopefully have another exciting year in store for the CDL, as exciting as possible with this game until we get some fixes. And I'm just hoping, and that at, at least initially from the start here, that there aren't too many uh, bugs and glitches and whatnot that uh, hamper the potential success of the season. Because I, I do think uh, we, we do have to just bring up, too, that this is the earliest start date uh, in the young history of the CDL, which is something that we we and the community have talked about at length, is just trying to start the actual competitive season closer to the launch of the game to capitalize on that hype. Um, it's still not, you know, immediately after the launch. And one thing we, we've talked about, too, is I don't know if we'll ever get to that point where it's like, you know, season starts a week after the game drops. That just doesn't uh, make sense until we get to the point where the pros are actually being sent to test the game extensively uh, before it officially drops. But all, all that spiel aside, um, I'm looking forward to this season and just hoping for the best. Uh, me too. Uh, I think... Uh, pretty much every Call of Duty League season and before that CWL and before that MLG and all those seasons that we had, I feel like in one way or another, they are typically entertaining, even if the game itself is not that entertaining. Um, for example, I hated Infinite Warfare. I'd never played it and I watched a lot of it and I'm not, I, I didn't like the the game. I didn't like the style of the game, but the matches were always pretty entertaining and, you know, really hotly contested. And I think at the end of the day, that's usually what it's all about is about the competition and not so much the game. Um, although the game definitely should be good because that helps so many other things outside of that. And I'm not even just talking about viewership, but just like everybody playing it and being interested in it. Um, but you know, we you gotta you, you gotta be realistic, and that's probably not gonna happen um, at least immediately, and uh, definitely not gonna happen without the input of the pros and the influencers that have an, a vested interest in the competitive scene. But uh, again, I I think it'll be a good CDL season. I think this format is um, this will be like the first season that the CDL is kind of rolling with the same format. Um, as the previous year, even with like a slight change with the, the first major being the pro-am, um, it, that, that really isn't a big change. And I think it's uh, really just a positive change, if anything. Um, so I, I think it'll be great. Uh, and I'm really happy that the CDL is back because it gives me something to talk about, to think about, to talk about now, um, and, um, in, in the podcast, um, but yeah, that does it for me. That does it for Bink. Um, make sure to subscribe or like uh, our podcast, whatever platform you're uh, listening or watching on. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Make sure to give us a five-star rating, a thumbs up, whatever, to make sure that um, you're supporting us uh, however you can or where, wherever you can. Follow us on Twitter. He's at jbink with two Ks. I'm at presbuyers, and the podcast is at Podcast. The next show will be sometime next week. Um, we don't really have like a set day. Um, but it'll be earlier in the week, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday ish. And, um, yeah, we'll be talking about 
how the first week of matches went, if there were any three and a half hour delays that we need to talk about and break down. And we'll also be talking about the second week of qualifying matches and giving our predictions and whatnot about those matches. Um, but yeah, that does it for me. Bink, take it away. Yep. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. I know this offseason uh, felt a little weird, in, in my opinion, just in the sense we didn't have as many shows and we had multiple uh, week-long breaks in between episodes. But uh, with the season officially starting this Friday, this should be uh, the start of us you know, getting back in the routine of regularly uh, producing these uh, podcast episodes based on actually having season matches and stuff to talk about so uh, i'm looking forward to the upcoming season hope you guys are too and hope you guys are looking forward to uh another year of the ego child breaking everything down and, and giving you all your cdl needs in, in that regard so thank you guys as always for tuning in and remember to send the child <laughs>